Welcome to the Hope New Podcast, a podcast for parents of children impacted by disabilities, where we believe there's beauty in the journey and purpose in the pain. Your hosts are Jonathan and Sarah McGuire. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Jonathan. What's going on? Wait, are you still in your pajamas? Yep. I am exhausted. My alarm rang. I hit the snooze button at least 20 times before getting out of bed. I just have no motivation to do anything today. In fact, maybe maybe you should just take the podcast so I can go back to bed. Oh, honey, you just need to drink another pot of coffee. Buck up. Put a smile on your face. You can do it. Uh, really? Oh, great counselor, that's, that's what you've got for me? <laughs> okay, well, not really. I know you all can't see Jonathan right now, but he's not sitting here in his pajamas. We did this little role play to illustrate how spouses can be in different places at the same time while on this journey. So this is to be expected, and it's okay. In today's episode, we interview Jason and Sarah Hag. Jason is the author of Aching Joy, Following God Through the Land of Unanswered Prayer. As part of the interview, Jason touches on his struggle with depression, and Sarah shares how she came alongside him during this time. And it wasn't how I just came alongside Jonathan. Without further ado, we'll begin the interview. Jason and Sarah, welcome to the Hope New Podcast. Can you take a moment and introduce yourselves to our audience? We're Jason and Sarah Haig. We have five kids. We've been married for just about 20 years. And uh, our middle son is Jackson. He's uh, he's 13. We call him Jack. And he has severe autism. You know, it's been a, a pretty major part of, of our life and our family. And that is the main reason that we're joining you guys today is uh, talk about our story with him. We are pastors, right? I think right. that's what we do. Yes. <laughs> that is what we do. We... Jason's the associate pastor and I'm the children's pastor in right. our church. That's great. Yes. Well, before we dive into the deep stuff, we know, and you guys know, as parents of kids with a special need, sometimes we can... Uh, be all consumed with our kids' needs and uh, what's required to care for them. Yet, we're still married and we still have a spouse who needs attention. So when we're so consumed with kids' needs, we can lose those creative juices. And yet, I know you guys are very creative people. So tell us, what is one of the most fun dates you guys have been on together? Mm, That's a good question. It is a challenge with five kids and all that we've been doing. It is a challenge to carve out that time, but we were just talking about this earlier and Jason mentioned, you mentioned. Our favorite thing to do is to get out to the coast, which here, we live in Oregon. So it's about an hour and a half to to get out to a good place on the coast. So when we can get out there and, you know, take a night or a couple nights out, it's the greatest thing on the planet because, you know, Oregon, well, you can't enjoy the the water out here. It's just, it's like ice, you know, it's just, cold 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 but it's beautiful so we love to just get a room over by the beach and walk along the beach so that's kind of our favorite thing to do i think our our all-time favorite honestly was right before i put my book out we were making our final uh 
edits before I turned in the manuscript. So we went out there, walked up down, up and down the beach, and Sarah was reading it out loud just so we could hear it, and and uh, and we made all kinds of changes. And honestly, I think it was the most fun we've had in in ages. Is just to be able to be there and work together. Maybe it wasn't a date because we were working, but it was. Uh, it was <laughs> I was gonna say that sounds a lot like our dates. We tend to go on dates and work, <laughs> and we have the most fun ever. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, that sounds gorgeous and beautiful and and thoroughly enjoyable. You mentioned that Jack is on the autism spectrum. Can you share more about your journey in disability and your the time of diagnosis and just the yeah. whole journey through that? Well, for us, Jack was our third kiddo and first son, and he um, developed very typically. In fact, he was advanced in a lot of physical milestones. He was reaching all those, just the things that you check off uh, up until about two, and then he started to regress. He started to go backwards. And we had had things like we just moved. Um, He had been sick a little bit before we left. And so there was this little period of thinking, well, maybe it's just all the changes. And so we didn't catch things right away until I was very evident. He was withdrawing, you know, we lost eye contact. He lost words and just didn't know how to seem to play anymore. Preferred to have some two matching kitchen objects rather than his preferred toys. And so there was some marked things and it wasn't instant. It wasn't overnight, but it was gradual over, for me, I noticed it within a a couple of months. I was like, oh, this is not just a temporary setback. Something is happening. Something's wrong. He got to a point where he really became almost like unresponsive. We kind of called it his catatonic phase. He just didn't, you could have ripped something out of his hands and he would have had no reaction. So we all know two-year-olds react when you take something away that they want um, and he just didn't. So it was clear to us after a period, like this is beyond just an adjustment period. There's something else going on. And it was a little alarming. We both are natural teachers. We've taught other people's kids, our own kids and it was a little bit of a struggle to go, oh my goodness, we actually do not know how to reach you. We don't know. We don't have the tools for teaching you. So it, it did, it took us back a bit and it took us some time because at that age and having a boy, everybody said, oh, you know, he's just a boy. So we didn't pursue intervention really quickly because of all those things. It was a struggle until we realized, man, there's just, this is beyond a little blip in development. There's something else going on here. Since then, we've had a lot of ups and downs because that first regression, you know, that was pretty major. But yeah. since then, it's, it's we had a lot of uh, two steps forward, three steps back sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would learn and then unlearn. He had pretty major regressions. And I, that's that's quite common, I know, in the in the autism world. Uh, and his, you know, his specialists, his doctors were just like, I don't even know what's going on. This is this is abnormal. So that that, especially in the early years, was very very difficult. It was really hard on us to try to figure out how to keep his gains. You know, how how can we help him move forward? So today he's uh, he's thirteen. He's uh, functionally nonverbal. He has some language, but he. He, he doesn't deploy it very often at all. He speaks in quotes and, and you know, various movie lines, things like that. Um, sometimes he does that intentionally with a purpose. And a lot of times it's just sort of, you know, he's just talking to himself or, or remembering his lines and things like that. Uh, he goes to a special school and uh, he's a very, very sweet kid. It has not been easy for him. It's been very difficult. 
Yeah, he has, in addition to autism, he deals with seizures and anxiety and OCD. You know, just like a lot of our kids have this plethora of other diagnoses that come with it that just add to the challenges. And it's difficult to sort through what we're looking at sometimes. <laughs> what, what is it that we're actually dealing with and how do we how do we know how to address it? So that's always been the case with Jack. It's been difficult to know what approach to take at times and how long do you try something until you move on to the next something. <laughs> but it's really in a lot of ways really forced us to seek the Lord, you know, for our kid to know how, God, I need a tool for today. I need a key. Can you help me understand what he's trying to communicate? And I think that there were some pivotal, like, realizations for us in our journey and and a couple of them that come to mind that were just key realizations is like the Lord really just said, you need to treat everything he does as communication. Then you're going to understand a lot more of what he's trying to tell you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was huge. That was a really pivotal moment for me, particularly. I mean, it was just a summer that we had decided not to try summer school because it hadn't gone very well with him. They just weren't really equipped and ready for him. And so we said, okay, let's just do this on our own. And I really just went to the Lord. I said, okay, God, I need to have, you know, three simple goals for this entire summer that we focus on. That was another piece that we had learned from his teachers and other instruction that we just, we had to learn how to teach Jack. But one of them was just choosing a couple of really important things. What are the really important things? And they could be really tiny things, but they're important to us and the functioning of our family that we embrace those goals for Jack. And so that summer, uh, one of the main goals was just treating everything that he did as communication. And when I started to do that, I started to recognize that some of the little movie quotes that we just thought were, oh, that's just Jack comforting himself, you know, trying to manage anxiety by falling back on what's familiar and just known that's his way of just doing that. I started to realize, oh my goodness. So we just had a conversation one day. He was just saying his movie lines like Cars 2. And so I said, oh, I started expanding on whatever he was talking about. And it just developed all of a sudden, he started to respond still with movie lines, Uh but he started to respond and ask me questions using movie lines. And I was like, oh my goodness, here it is. This Mm. is communication. You're trying to reach out. And so since then, we've recognized the power of hooking into what sometimes seem just sheer obsessions that you're like, I don't know if this is healthy for you, but being able to capitalize those on as points of connection um, with Jack and with other kids now that we've experienced. So those were a couple really pivotal things of treating everything as communication and then connecting on points of interest and, and forming your relationship. And then from there, you can kind of entering their world. Some people call it following mm-hmm. their lead and then bringing them along and, and helping them achieve some of those really simple, but potent and powerful goals. Wow. I can't imagine the first conversation that you guys had through the mm-hmm. movie lines it about brings tears to my eyes as I think about it and mm-hmm. uh, how amazing that that moment must've been. Mm-hmm. Does he have any favorite movie lines that he often quotes? It depends on the season. He went through a long Cars 2 phase. Now it's uh, Kung Fu Panda 2. He, <laughs> he loves, yes, his current favorite quote is, Poe is pure awesomeness. <laughs> he will come to us and he'll say, Poe is pure awesomeness? Poe is pure awesomeness? And get like right in our face and we'll say, yes, Poe is pure awesomeness. And then I love he's it. He's satisfied. 
That's great. One of our our family favorites was a time where the girl, I think some of our kids were in the room and they were just talking about Cars 2 because we'd been on a long Cars 2 pick. And, you know, it gets wearing after a while. Some mm-hmm. movies are just not so enjoyable after 500 times for the rest <laughs> of us. It's just like, ah. Oh. So our kids were just having a conversation and saying things like, man, I don't really like Cars 2. And Jack was just flapping his movie pictures. That's something that he does as stimulation and calming at times, at different times. But he was just flapping. It didn't appear to be really listening, but I'm going to turn it over to you, honey, because you quote better. But do you remember what he said when he's... Well, they were just, they were were asking him, which one do you like better, Cars 2 or Despicable Me? And, And everyone said they liked Despicable Me better. And Jenna said, you know what, uh, Jack, we, I don't really like Cars 2 very much. And someone else said, neither do I. And Uh-oh. Jack looks at them, and then he suddenly talks like like Gru, who's played by by Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. He suddenly pulls out this, this like, Gru uh, quote, and he says, all right, just because everybody hates it doesn't mean it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's into humor. I love it. Yeah. That's- yeah. 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 Wow. There's so much in your story that I can relate to. And yet, you know, every child is so different that there's a lot I can't relate to. But I certainly relate to the heartache and the regressions and the always looking for how to reach your child and how to best help your child and knowing, you know, what to do. What do you do next? And just having right. to go to God in prayer and depend on him to provide the next step or the next way forward. Yeah, there were so many times in our journey where even I would have what I wanted to do as the next step, yet we wouldn't have the finances. And, you know, there were things that blocked, that I saw as blocks to the way forward. And yet in retrospect, looking back now, I can see how God had a different plan or a different way. I heard that in your story too. All right. You've already shared some amazing things about Jack. And in our stories of kids with disability and special needs, you know, our focus is so often on their limitations and their difficulties and their struggles. And as we talk to others, that's what they most readily see. Yet when we live with them and when we love them, there are things that can bring smiles and joy to our face as we get to know who they are. So you've shared some of who Jack is with us already. Is there another story or a favorite characteristic of Jack that you would like to share? Well, we did kind of share that one where he is really amazing, capitalizing on his strengths of memorizing movie lines and treating them as communication. So from that has flowed just our recognition. Like he's just incredible. He always, even from early on, we didn't all the words disappeared. He Mm. maintained just this beautiful ability to imitate voices, even if the words weren't clear. I remember we'd hear something um, and go, oh my goodness, those are the French peas from VeggieTales. So um, he's always found a way to connect and to match. Uh, He would hum songs and just perfect pitch, that kind of thing. So there's just some beautiful things that still, when we look at him or someone else might look at him and go, oh, you know, there's, how do you even begin when a kid can't talk to you? But just recognizing there's so much in there and he has done 
just a relentless job of trying to communicate. Sometimes he would say phrases or things to us for months before we decode and figure mm-hmm. out what it was coming from. And so for us, we recognize like just his persistence, you know, along with his sense of humor. Sometimes he would tell me the same line over and over and over again. And finally I'd be like, Oh, I got it. You know, and then we share it as a family and finally enjoy the joke because he did, mm-hmm. he'd pull out, you know, the, the lines that he thought were really funny from shows or whatever, and want to share. He had a desire to share that with us and he didn't allow I could just continue to try to break through. And so a lot of the time, um, it really taught us to to value that and value the effort even when we didn't understand. I honor him for his, just his persistence and willingness to continue to, to fight for that connection. Even in a kid that maybe doesn't, some people might look at him and go, I don't think he really cares if he connects with people. And we mm. just simply know that that's not true. There's something powerful about relationship and he has really taught us what it's worth fighting for because he's put forth such effort in order to connect with us. And he is, some kids really struggle with affection and physical contact and he isn't one of those kids. So that has been something that's been a very like beautiful thing. He did have to learn how to give mom and dad kisses. And then, oh, at what point? You don't kiss some of these people, you know? (laughs) But um, there were things, but once that was opened up, that connection was made, then we saw this display of affection. It kind of had to be taught in some ways, but it didn't come until we really learned how to connect on his terms um, and meet him where he was at. And then he was like, now he'll humor me all the time. You know, I'm like, I love you, Jack. And he'll just kind of do this, you know, (laughs) I'm like, I know that's you telling me I love you too. But he has learned that that's important to mom that you say in some way, I love you back. So I appreciate that, that he has even been willing to go to that level of mom. I know you need this. I'm going to give you a little kiss in the air. Um, Because I know that because there's so many obstacles that they have to overcome in order to connect. Yeah, well, I give credit to you guys so much for pushing into that and pursuing him and learning his language. And that's just incredible. And kudos to you guys as parents for, for loving him well in that way and, and not giving up and just saying, well, he can't communicate, so we can't relate, but continuing to push into that and discover who he is in the gift of him. That's not an easy thing, and it takes hours, days, weeks, months, years of work to get there. Now, Jason, we've referenced that you've recently released a book. That book is called Aching Joy, Following God Through the Land of Unanswered Prayer. And in that, you're very open about the deep struggle that you went through. I'm wondering, Sarah, did you struggle in a similar way to Jason? And if not, how were your journeys different? Well, I think my initial response was much different, but eventually we all have to walk through disappointment or grief. At some point, I handled it differently. I was definitely the mama bear. Hey, we're going to figure this out. We're going to see what we need to do and we're going to do it, you know? And so you just go into research mode, you go into learning mode, you just try. So my response immediately was, what many moms tend to do is say, we're not going to like let this thing get us down. We're going to figure out a way. 
to make it, which is so it's important and it's beautiful. But at the same time, what ended up happening with me and my struggle looked like I was in survival mode for a really, really long time. And it actually wasn't until we went through this book process and even reading it aloud together, like we referenced early on, that I started to recognize some unhealthy ways that I I just actually didn't end up dealing with some of these things that I I truly did struggle with, but I just kind of pushed it off to the side as we often do when we're in survival mode. We do with what absolutely needs to be done and you can only thrive. You can't really thrive in that that way. You can only survive for so long until you kind of have to stop and pause and recognize what's happened and recognize the struggle and recognize the hardship or the disappointment or the sadness. Um, I was very, very, very good at, at recognizing victories. And that kept me going for many, many, many years of celebrating small victories. And it was something that Jason's referenced in his book. It was a beautiful thing, but there is always that point where grief will just catch up to you eventually. And sometimes it feels wrong at the beginning, but it sometimes still feels wrong. It comes out later. You think I've learned to love and embrace my son. How am I feeling this now? Hmm. But it was just because I hadn't stopped. I haven't given myself the time or the space to actually honestly take a look at the impact, I guess, on me. And so once I allowed myself room to do that, I ended up walking through some of the same things he did just much later. And so I think That's important for all of us to recognize we need to create space so that we can be healthy and not be in survival mode. And because that you end up in the same place eventually where that you need, you just need a processor. We all are going to find ourselves in that place eventually that we have to work through the process. We can't um, navigate around it or short circuit it or it will come up eventually again. So that's how mine was a little bit different than Jason's. Okay. Yeah, that's so good to to hear you say that and to put it in those terms because I think everybody goes through it a little differently, it seems like. And I know that was true of Jonathan and I too, where, yeah, just like you said, I tackled it like, Mama Bear, we're going to figure this out and delved into the research. And now I didn't necessarily look for the small triumphs. I, I did really struggle with where he was at and with his struggles. Whereas Jonathan, you know, went a different way and he didn't see it as much. And so he, and he was away at work and, you know, where I was the one mostly home with him. But it's so good to hear about the different way you went about the journey. Um, And that even no matter how much we love our kid exactly as they are, there can still be that grieving process of what isn't that we had always expected to be. And, and that you have to process through that at some point. Yeah. Now, Jason, when you were struggling the most, what was the most meaningful thing that Sarah did or what was the most meaningful way that she was able to come alongside you? One of the things I remember really clearly is when the guys would invite me to go out, you know, just <laughs> people I know and we're friends with, and they'd say, hey, let's, you know, let's come hang. And, and I would say, you know, I, I think I'm good. I'm going to hang back. And she would say, you need to go. You need to go. Like, you you like people. And I would <laughs> say, I don't want to. I'm too tired. She's like, no. 
you, you think you're too tired. You think you don't want to go, but you really do. And uh, mm. so I would go. And then I was always, always glad that I did. And even if I wasn't having these super deep, most of the time I wasn't going and like having these, you know, deep, heartfelt conversations. It was just a chance to feel human again, you know, to, to, to have some sense of normalcy. Like, you know, we do have a regular life. You have people who love you and you can still have fun. You can still enjoy life in this moment. And that was a great thing. She reminded me uh, who I was and, and the things that I had forgotten. That's so important. Yeah. Last year, you guys created this amazingly beautiful video. And it was on Facebook titled, We See You, A Letter to Special Needs Siblings. It was amazing. And we'll post a link to it in the show notes. But what are some ways that you try to make sure that your other children don't get overlooked as you're caring for Jack? Well, um, that is a huge challenge, especially with five kids. We aren't able at this point to do once a month, we take you each out somewhere. I would love to get to that point. I think it's important. But we have, um, I felt like that was another one of those things that the Lord really impressed on my heart, teaching me how to be intentional with each one. And I, I think that it was at the end of the day, we needed to make sure that each one was seen and known and loved in some way, whatever that meant to for them. So one of our kids loves creating stories. Actually, two of our kids really love doing this, creating stories. So Actually, three of them. Okay, so a lot of our kids really <laughs> love stories. <laughs> we have storytellers, and our storytelling is in our uh, family culture, so it's no, no big surprise. I was say, there's one a shocker. One of their favorite yeah. things. I <laughs> know, there you go. One of their favorite things is just being able to share a story that they've just come up with or created and it takes time and it means you have to focus and ask questions. And so those are some simple ways that we know we can choose love. And so I'm a doer, I'm a get stuff done person. So it's really a discipline <laughs> for me to set aside all the things that need to be done and give my full attention, but it's so doable. And if you think, okay, I can do that. I can take that was part of that setting doable goals. I made it my goal to say, I'm going to set aside two minutes, five minutes, wherever it was, wherever we started, we just add a little bit on if we can to really connect and really be there and be present and be giving them our full attention um, as well as doing those fun, simple things. For me, it was also inviting them to come with me, to come join me in what I'm doing. Sometimes it was being productive and that finding creative ways to do that were my two little boys, they love coming with me and helping me set up on a Sunday morning at church. And so it became this beautiful us time that we're working together, but we're also getting some just us time together, which is super, I don't know, the Lord has really been good to teach us how to do that with our kids. That's so important. Yeah. It's so hard to do, but uh, it makes all, yeah. all the difference. Yeah. And each kid is so individual with what works for them and what doesn't. Right. Jason, I've heard you talk about and you've shared about your journey with depression. What would you say to the yeah. dad who, who also has depression? I would say first that it, it's okay that you can't fix it. I think dads are often embarrassed that they can't fix it. Like thinking they should be able to, which is, you know, a ridiculous thing to put on yourself. Nobody thinks that you should be able to somehow figure this out and make it all better. It, it, it's impossible. It's, it's just above your pay grade. So if you're feeling inadequate, 
that's okay. And on one hand, it's silly because you're not more inadequate than the next dad, but you are not up to this challenge. This is something that you just can't figure out. It's beyond you. So it's okay that you can't fix it. And the second I think is, it, you know, it, it's okay to be open with somebody. In fact, you don't need to rush through the process, but eventually you're going to need to bring the stuff out in the open, to bring all the stuff that you feel is ugly, all the ugly feelings, whether it's resentment towards your wife or even towards your child or towards yourself, whether it's anger, whether it's just sadness, all the ugly stuff is there. Don't beat yourself up for the fact that it's there, but you need to be able to deal with that somehow. So it's it's incredibly important to take that risk, to take that step, to, to man up and deal with the things that you're going through, not to rush through it, you don't need to rush through it. In fact, you shouldn't rush through it. And it's not on you for the feelings. But what you do with the feelings is incredibly important. And I think the key is be humble, be open, find somebody, find a safe person in your life, whether it be a pastor or a counselor. Maybe it is your wife. Maybe it's a dear friend. But with somebody, you've got to be able to deal with it. That is great advice. Was it hard for you to find that person to be open with? Did you already have that relationship with somebody? Yeah, I, I was really lucky in this regard because um, we were working really closely with this church even before we were on staff. And uh, the senior pastor and I became friends, uh, as well as one of the uh, one of the elders. So I had immediately two people that I trusted very much and that were were very very patient with me and willing to listen and then willing to support me. So I, yeah, I, I know that I was really privileged in that regard. Some people have to to really search for that. It's not always in your backyard. It's a lot of times where a, a, a really good counselor comes, you know, <laughs> becomes a lifesaver. Sarah, what would you say to the mom whose husband has checked out? I think, you know, recognizing how we respond differently and what kind of impact the diagnosis and even the day-to-day struggle has mm-hmm. on him. We are gifted, I think, as moms with this instinct to just nurture. And whatever happens, I'm going to nurture you. And dads have often this protective instinct and this it really hits them differently because they feel like it's outside of their, this is something they can't protect their kids from. Mm. It hits them, I think, a little bit differently than it does us moms. So recognizing, just simply being able to take a moment and, and see how that might affect him differently than I'm re- I'm responding like, hey, we need to do this thing. Why aren't you? <laughs> but recognizing he's dealing with it in a totally different way is really helpful. I wish I would have done this better, but I feel like it's important to give space to that husband and say, you know what, this is affecting you. And even just that simple recognition, maybe an invitation for him to open up a little bit. And that's what you want. You want him to open up, whether he can open up to us as, you know, as a wife or to someone else, but encouraging him to take that space and to talk to someone about what he's feeling and just recognize it's hard. I'm a, I'm an eternal optimist. So I didn't always do this very well. I was always like, no, but we're doing better. And look at, he did this little thing. So I was celebrating all these tiny victories. And Jason at the, in the meantime was just paralyzed by just how hard it was and felt like I wasn't seeing reality, just how difficult and how how much Jack was affected. So now I know that, wow, that was just, that was really affecting you differently than it was me. And it wasn't helpful for me to just point out all the good things he can do. Would have been more helpful to say, man, you're right. 
this is really hard. It's hard to deal with this. And it's hard to see your son not thrive the way, you know, everyone expects your kid to be amazing and to have all these abilities and make all these accomplishments. And Jason talks a lot about that in the, in the book about having this projector, this film reel of what your expectations Mm -hmm. are for your kids. And then when reality doesn't meet those, there's some major adjustments that happen um, and it can impact you really um, in a really strong way. So I would say being able to give space and recognize sometimes helping them recognize that, but at very least encouraging them to talk through it with someone else. Yeah, I think those are such wise words and I appreciate your perspective there. I totally agree. Jason, in your book, you shared the wonderful story of Flapjack. And in this story, Jack has these superpowers. And if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. each of the siblings had superpowers. But Jack's superpower was, was flapping. And through his superpower, he was able to fly his brothers to different places. Yes. And then you conclude the story by saying that everybody needs brotherly love. We've seen this in our own lives. Community and having people that you can be real with is so crucial in in this journey of special needs and disability. With our children's increased needs, it can be hard to form those connections with others. How have you guys been able to do that, especially with being a both of you being in ministry? Part of this, we're really blessed because we have people that are so ready to hear and ready to love around us. So, you know, it's been a little easier for us in that regard, I admit. But part of what we've done is we have not waited to find people who can relate to everything. And I think that's a mistake a lot of times people make in the special needs world because they're around people like, how can you possibly know about this? Oh, you don't get it. And uh, this is why so many people get involved in these Facebook groups sometimes because they want someone who will, in all caps, get it. So it becomes this thing of like, you don't understand the unique challenges we're going through. And so they end up isolating themselves. Uh, And I think that is a real mistake. Uh, One of the things we have been able to do is to share life with people who have no you know, experience whatsoever in the special needs world. And it's actually, sometimes it's, it's just you know, like water to the soul when you're with someone who has had it. That's amazing too, but we've been able to glean from people that have all kinds of different experiences from us. We've been able to draw strength from those things. You know, for example, we have dear friends, Josh and Carly, who are foster parents, and they go through all manner of crazy stuff that we've never experienced before. So we get to hear their stories, and like sometimes this is really, really hard stuff that they're dealing with, and stuff that we would go, man, I've never, I've never thought about that before. But they share it with us anyway, because that's what you do in relationships. So I think having openness on both sides, that is important. It's important to to share stories, even if they don't directly relate to what you're going through. And and that's what a diverse community can do. So you think it's great to look for support groups. It's great to look for other parents who have kids on the spectrum or whatever. But I think we cannot afford to be choosy in this regard. We need community. We all need community. Sometimes I think we need to have more realistic standards of what that's going to look like. And you let other people in, other people who know how to care and how to love, that's where healing begins. I'll piggyback on that a little bit. And just, I've, I recently heard somebody talking about that and saying that the friendships that they found in their life, at first they were looking for somebody who would meet all their areas of need, you know, and connect on all the different areas. But what they found right. is different friends 
who connect in different areas. And, yeah, and I just loved that. And there's so much truth in that. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. good. I really think there's a lot of times where, where people will understand. They, they will seek to understand and they will become a source of strength in, in ways that we might not give them credit for right away. You know, who's to say that that friend down the street can't possibly relate to what you're going through? They might not have the same experiences, but maybe if you listen and, and share with them, they could have all kinds of, of beautiful uh, things to share. Or even, even if they don't, maybe they just say, you know what, I can't relate whatsoever, but I can help you carry that burden. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I think we need to let people in. This has been really, you know, kind of heavy on my heart uh, lately because I, I see so many people who end up isolating themselves because the community just isn't good enough. Like whatever, whatever they have just isn't good enough and people couldn't possibly relate. And I think it's just really, really sad. I think you need to give people a chance for your own sanity's sake mm-hmm. and for the sake of your family. You have to let people in. Yeah, I think... As you're talking here, we look for the things that are good enough, the community that's good enough, the person that can meet those needs. Reality is that perfect community is not going to happen until we get to heaven. The person that can meet all our needs is our savior. Right. That's exactly right. So where can our audience find you, your book, and other resources that you offer? You can find uh, our story at uh, my website, jasonhaig.com. I'm also on Facebook at uh, Jason Haig Writer. That's where I do most of my interacting with readers. And you can find my book on Amazon. It's uh, just look for Aching Joy. Well, excellent. We will post a link to those in our show notes. Thank you both for joining us in the podcast today. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. It's been good. 